Hey everyone, it's Matt Harmon from the Yahoo Fantasy Football Show. Are you sad there's no fantasy football going on right now? Yeah, me too. I've got good news for you though. It is fantasy baseball season right now. Join a public league, join an instant draft, or create a league with your buddies before opening day. It's Yahoo Fantasy Baseball time. Sign up for the 2024 fantasy baseball season at yahoo.com slash fantasy baseball or on the Yahoo Fantasy app. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. If you're the number one ranked player in America and you go on a recruiting visit to USC, I would think the chances of a blast being the proper definition to be about 99.9%. I think that would be one of the greatest weekends a human being could possibly have. His eyes, Ross Dillinger. It was picked up by some Mexican media outlets and reported to be a witch that was in Northeast Mexico. So this photo has made the rounds. The uh, Mexican president was duped. And SI's Pat Forty. Yeah, media was allowed in for eight minutes of early practice. And here's what we saw. Arch threw the ball 12 times. Seven of them looked very good. Five of them not so good. Here's Pat, Russ, and Dan. All right, welcome to the pod. And uh, Ross, we have more from your sit-down with the king, Nick Saban. Appreciate the content you're providing. He was chatty. He was chatty. Was was he really? This is his his time to be chatty. You know, in the springtime, he loves to, you know, weigh in on the issues and such like that. And so he he was, uh, you know, I had my questions prepared, and and he almost seemed like, you know, he had his answers prepared on, on all these various issues going on in college athletics. So take take anyone uh, listening or any anyone who hasn't been. What's it like going to meet Nick Saban, walking into the office? What's the office like? What's he? What's he? How's he acting? Because all anyone yeah. ever sees is him shouting at halftime reporters and yeah, and yelling you know, at the media for downplaying Middle Tennessee State. So what do we got? It it this is it's a great question, and um, it's fascinating actually because. He's uh, he's not the guy, obviously, you see on the sideline. This is probably my third one-on-one with him, but my first actually in his office. And, uh, you know, well, I'll, I'll describe his office, which is, you know, spacious, as you'd imagine. And, uh, you know, it's all like kind of mahogany, dark mahogany wood, you know, really kind of classy, elegant. Uh, he's got, he must have, I would estimate, 40 championship rings in his office at, in various positions, at least 40. I would go up to as many as 70 or 80. Uh, on a coffee table, which is kind of like the famous coffee table, which we set around, he had all the, the ring. He had probably a dozen individual boxes, each with a ring or two opened, you know, as a kind of the recruiting tool, so to speak. And actually I had trouble putting my recorder on the coffee table because there were so many boxes and rings. I didn't know where to put it. It was like, it was like halfway cocked on a, on a box, (laughs) you know, holding a ring. It was really weird. From the 2009 um, championship ring. Yeah. Yeah. And we're like, are some of these like, 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 
whatever. I, I'm going to say it wrong here, but 2007 Hall of Fame Bowl or something. You know, right? yeah, they're, I'm sure there's some bowl I mean, you can't win there. 80 rings, right? They're not just championship and <laughs> no, SEC. No, right, so right. Even I, Nick there, Saban. There's some bowl rings in there, no doubt. They're obviously, if you compiled, probably compiled the SEC in national title rings, I don't know what you'd get, what, maybe like 15 to 20 or 15, right. 18, somewhere around there. So there has to be some bowl rings or there has to be different versions of the championship rings too. But but they're kind of scattered. So like a Chuck E. Cheese you know. one or anything like that? <laughs> <Any of those? laughs> sure. <laughs> let your run or let your imagination run wild, Dan. Did you did you take any? Did you palm one? Did you <laughs> No. <laughs> no, okay. All right, good. I did not. Most of them were encased in boxes. Some of them were actually like encased in the crystal, like clear through cl- crystal where they're in the center and you couldn't get to it. You couldn't put it on. Yeah. So, uh, but they were kind of scattered about, you know, picture frames scattered about, you know, a very neat, everything's orderly and neat, uh, nice carpets. Um, you know, it, 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 it reminds you it, it, and then, and then to get to your point about him, right. He's not the guy you see on the sideline. He's not the guy you see in a press conference yelling and screaming. He is, uh, you know, speaks in hushed tones. He listens. He delays his answers to think about what he, how he's going to answer. Two to four seconds. He, he's like you're talking to the CEO or biz, big businessman of a Fortune 500 company. Uh, that's how it. That's how it feels when you're when you're in there with him. Um, you know, he had his he had a pink uh, polo shirt on. Uh, he likes pink. I think that's kind of known. He likes like that shade of pink and is not scared to to wear pink and the funny thing is i can't i have a pink hoodie and uh i uh subconsciously maybe i wore my pink hoodie to to see him and uh, i walked into his office and he had pink and i had pink and we both kind of looked at each other and are like Cute. all right pink go pink um <laughs> so that was talk. But, but, um, let me ask does he have a computer that, mm, um good question that is a good question. I I don't yeah, yeah. I did see a computer on his desk, I'm pretty certain, on the corner of his desk. <laughs> okay, I, all right. I did see a computer, yeah. And he has like two desks that kind of wrap around sort of thing. And he had the blinds pulled, so it's you know, it's pretty dark in his office. Um, there was some like weird lighting kind of, you know, um on on certain pictures and in rings and such. But uh so that was kind of yeah, that was kind of the experience. And you know, it was twenty minutes and or supposed to be 20 minutes and it went to like 30, 35 minutes because he does. He, he likes to talk about the issues. And honestly, he gives honest answers and he gives thoughtful answers. And, you know, he obviously, a lot of his answers and people and fans of other SEC schools will say this, right? A lot of his answers are going to be geared toward advantaging Alabama. And, and uh, you might think that and that's fine. And that's probably partially true. But also, I think he has some really good, honest, thoughtful answers on uh, solving the issues of college football. Well, his opinion obviously yeah. uh, carries great weight. Go ahead, Pat. Yeah, no, that couple things. First of all, like ask, ask Ross, my experience with him is that he absolutely abhors small talk. Like, come on in. Hey, yeah. how are you? But let's not jack around for five minutes, okay? Let's. You, you're here to talk. Let's talk. Right. I mean, that's get right my, to it. Absolutely. Yes. I, I walked in and um, and I kind of knew that going in a little bit. And so yeah. I really immediately long. I mean, the first thing I said was good to see you again. 
let's talk NIL and just uh, launch right, <laughs> just launch yeah. right into it. And then after we were done, he, you know, he knows my wife covers politics in DC. We live in DC. And uh, he's asked before if she knows Joe Manchin, who he's good friends with, Senator Joe Manchin from West Virginia, going back to their childhood in West Virginia. And so as I was leaving, I wanted to make a goodbye small talk. And I said something like, um, you know, have you been on Joe Manchin's boathouse? Joe, Joe Manchin has a boathouse that's parked off of, in, the, in the Potomac River uh, that he uses. And he said, no, not his new one, but I've spent time on his old one. And that was it. That was it. That was it. No more. No more talk. Wow. Goodbye. With the you know, have a nice that day. is power small talk, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> I'm impressed. Well, I haven't have been, been on the senator's. Have uh, <laughs> you been on the senator's boathouse? I've I mean, seen wow. it in the war. Parked in the wharf. Uh, yeah. uh, Harvard. You, you kind of pretended. I mean, that, uh, I, maybe I pretended to. Yes. You had. Yeah. <laughs> I pretended a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, Big time. Yeah. No, the, my other thought there, uh, beyond that, like uh, he is so not, want, so does not want to chit chat, but he will have his mm. talking points that he wants to talk about. And to your point, Ross, like he's the smartest guy in the sport, right? So when it's a topic that interests him, you are like, wow, this is great. This is a good, real privilege to be able to hear his thoughts. And yes, to a degree, a lot of his thoughts are going to be, how's, how, are, how is this going to make things better for me? But he's also at this stage now in his 70s of like, I think having a, a good grasp on what he thinks is best for, for football and, and not afraid to share his opinion. So fascinating guy. Absolutely fascinating. It can be intimidating as hell if it's in a one-on-one setting. Uh, again, if you don't come correct and be ready to ask to do your job, he's not going to have much time for you. Yeah. He's, he's granting you respect by giving him his time. Yeah. And, uh, you'd better respect him by making the most out of it. All right. So here, here are the couple questions that were, uh, I thought were interesting. You asked about NIL, the NIL scene collectives are popping up everywhere, distributing millions to athletes. What are your thoughts on this situation? Excellent. Open-ended question. Good job, Ross. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. You don't even have to 15 take years into your journalism career. You're, you've, yeah. You got this down, right? <laughs> um, but no, man, you've listened to some of these questions people ask. So here we go. Nate Saban. The issue is when you create those collectives for people, we need that guy, Joey, to do the, uh, the imitation. Yeah, I can't do the, right. Joey Molinaro. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. It's so good. So good. <laughs> I need him. Where are you? Well, I think it's important in this process to think about who are the four best teams. Uh, yeah. The issue is when you create those collectives for people. Uh, so instead, this is coming in a half Boston, half English. I don't even know how to speak uh, uh, <laughs> accent. Establishing a pay for play type environment that can be used in recruiting. So now all of a sudden, guys are not going to school where they can create the most value for their future. Guys are going to school where they can make the most money. I don't think that is even the best thing for the player. You went to college. I went to college. Why were we going? We had goals and aspirations or how we wanted to create value for our futures. Sometimes these things can get distracted, uh, can be a distraction academically as well as athletically. But I'll say it again. I think name, image, and likeness is good for players. The whole concept of collectives is what has created this environment that we are in. And I'm not sure that anyone really had the insight or the vision to see what was going to happen. So therefore, we have no guidelines. And now we're trying to develop some. All right. Ross, what was the, uh, what your, th- or let's start with Pat, then we'll go to Ross. Pat, your thoughts on Coach Saban's comments there. Um, yeah, and that, that 
echoes what his thinking has been for quite a while. He obviously did not get his point across as effectively as he wanted when he brought up A&M buying their whole team last May. But, <laughs> you know, I think he and a lot of people think NIL, fine. Paying people up front, not, not really what it's supposed to be. And so how do you backload that and have the players actually earn it with their performance on campus? And it's interesting that creating value line has been his stock phrase for a long time. He uses it in recruiting. You know, that's, yep. that's the thing. When you come to Alabama, we help you create value for yourself. We, we're going to, if you're good enough, we're going to make you rich. We're going to get you a degree, uh, et cetera. So I, I, you know, that's very consistent with what he's been saying. And I think consistent with what a lot of people in the membership of the NCAA want. Look, I think it's pretty obvious now, especially from that interview, that he's anti-collective. And Alabama created a collective that they're calling, not even calling a collective, right? They're calling it like an entity or I I forgot the the phrase. And part of that is because the connotation around collectives in the fact that I don't think Nick Saban, you know, likes collectives and and, uh, likes the situation that collectives have um, put college football in. You know, I, he said a lot of the same things he said in the past. You know, he he did about the situation with collectives, about how a congressional bill is needed, federal legislation is needed to police this issue. You know, uh, how the NCAA isn't necessarily to blame because of the different state laws, and there he points to that. But around the collective issue is uh, the fact that, you know, he, I think that he, and I think he got his point. Yeah, as Pat said, like last spring about the Texas A&M situation, you could tell it's just it's still frustrating to him that he's he's on the re- recruiting trail in he's he gets he or the school or whatever the school's collective might get into you know bidding wars. I you know over a, over a kid, and I think that um, that still obviously upsets him. Now the. The opposite argument to that is that this always existed, right? Uh-huh. And that there's always been a bit no. more. No. Uh, <laughs> and that the price now is just going up in the bidding war. It's just, it's going up and there are more players involved. And I had another, and I'll say it, I had, a, I had another SEC coach tell me, um, not, a, not a head coach, but an SEC coordinator tell me, you know, you know what, Nick Saban is, is angry about this and vocal about this, huh? And said, no, what, what are you talking about? And, and yeah, and Dan, Dan and Pat both probably know it's coming, is, you know, the price has gone up and there are more people involved in doing what Alabama's done for, for years. And not just Alabama, but a lot of yeah. major programs. And uh, yeah. that's, what, that's what they'll say. They'll say that everything is, is fine. There's a lot of coaches that think everything is fine the way it is. Um, and, the, and the coaches that believe it's not, like Nick Saban, is because the, he might be impacted negatively by the landscape is what they would say. So with, with all due respect to coach Saban, I'm just going to play devil's advocate here. I'd be happy to talk to him directly about this, but I'm not here to say Nick Saban, I don't know what he's doing or Nick, I mean, he's Nick Saban, right? Uh, first of all, he just signed 14 of the top hundred players in the country. Uh, by far the number one recruiting class this year ever, right? Maybe, maybe, yeah, the statistical yeah. averages they come up with ever. Maybe the best recruiting class ever. 14%, okay, of the first three rounds, uh, basically the three first three rounds. Imagine an NFL team, first three rounds, and I have 14% of the picks, <laughs> including seven in the first round. 
<laughs> and then going, I don't know about this draft system. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so, Saban's and, response, so Saban's response to that would be, they're well, coming not? to my school like they always came to my school right. because they know that uh, they will be groomed for the for the NFL, right? Developed for and the NFL. And they are correct. And, yeah. and they are correct. Everyone who is an elite player should consider going to Alabama if Alabama wants them. You should start at Alabama and say, well, is this the place for me? Because obviously there is a track record and this guy's great and all that. And so that's all we're... What I'm saying is the problem is not impacting Nick Saban. Nope. I mean, right. So we're saying that guys are picking schools based on the most money, but then we look and we go, oh, actually, these ones aren't. 14% of them didn't. And a lot of other guys didn't, right? So is this really a thing or is it really not? Is this the French? I had a different, I don't know if we're talking the same guys or not, but like I had an SEC uh, coach tell me, you know, it's the same number of kids and their parents who are talking money now that yeah. are, were talking money 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. So 20% of your recruiting class, you sit down with mom and dad or the kid or Uncle Jerry or whoever it is, and they go, hey, what's up with the money? That's the same amount that we're asking for it under the table. That, that was the number. I'm going to wherever's got the most money. So it's like, okay, it's different. Interesting. Right. Maybe yep. so. I, yep. I would imagine very few people dare to broach money with Nick Saban. <laughs> yeah, like you better probably. be one hell of a recruit to sit there and kick your feet up on that that ring table and say, "All right, what's what's in it for me, Coach?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's ballsy. That's ballsy. I, yeah, it's uh, not. I would have to think the money conversation is in. It was with someone else in a different with other someone people. else. Right? Yes, yeah. For sure. And so Nick, Nick may be hearing more about the money situation than what was he was hearing before. And I'm not necessarily casting aspersions that Alabama would ever have uh, thrown a nickel uh, in anyone's direction because clearly they would never, ever would. Uh, Certainly not since Nick Saban got there. Maybe all those other violation cases. But (laughs) now it's a little more on the table. And so maybe you're hearing about it more. And B, so these head coaches that would be... And then the other thing is the assistant coaches, no one's ever lost a recruit because they didn't recruit him well or just simply lost him. It's always somebody screwed. Almost always, it's like that guy screwed me over. They were paying. They cheated. I mean, you. I mean, you listen to you get a bunch of assistant coaches sitting around drinking beers, and they'll gossip about everything. Someone slept with the print, the assistant principal at the school, and that's how they got a. I mean, you hear it all. Well, now the easiest excuse is why the hell if you're getting one of these quote unquote ass chewings, why the hell did we not get so and so from, you know. Uh, city high school and you go, man, the other school, they're a collective paid them $2.4 million coach. Mm-hmm. And you go, Oh, okay. And then you rage at that instead of the assistant coach. So that's yep. my thing with these perspective on these guys is I don't know that Saban actually is the gr- on the ground guy. That's the best for these things. His opinion is obviously more than merited and all that, but I always wonder exactly what is, what is his take is on. Go ahead, Pat. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great point that, where is he getting his information secondhand, thirdhand? It probably takes a while for it to trickle up from on the ground to, to the mahogany office. And, yeah, to your point, too, also, what's fact and what's fiction? I mean, I've had people tell me repeatedly, people that absolutely know that the collective numbers that are being thrown around are exaggerated. That if you get down to the actual numbers, they're not. the money is not 
quite to the extent that people say it is. There's some people that it serves their best interest to make the money look bigger than it is. And then thirdly, yes, uh, <laughs> I had a head coach uh, in the SEC tell me, say, to assistant coaches, don't come to me and tell me you got beat by somebody who's cheating. You take that to the NCAA. I don't want to hear it because it sounds like an excuse to me. If you've got the proof, don't talk to me. Talk to the NCAA. Otherwise, get me players. Yeah. Well, that, and that's what's not happening enough, according to the NCAA, right, is, is right. You're not having alleged violations reported. And people would might tell you that you're not having violations reported because the school that might be doing the reporting is also violating the rules in <laughs> in other matters, and so they don't want to be reported. So it's uh, that has been an ongoing issue for um, for the ins- enforcement staff is to get folks that that turn people in. And look, I mean, like we're talking about I mean, all this stuff's been happening for years illegally under the table payments to to kids and all that, and and now with nil, you're seeing former players, and I forgot the group. You know, some of these names of former players who have come out and spoken out about how much money they've gotten, right? There's a former Florida player. There's a former Auburn player, I think, that have come out and basically said, oh, yeah, they pay me XXX and this is how it was delivered. I mean, this has been happening. And, you know, in a lot of cases, even back then, it wasn't reported because in a lot of ways, everybody was kind of doing it. And if you rat on your neighbor, they're probably going to rat on you. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's this is not new. All right, so here is my thing, and I think this is the philosophical point I have a bigger issue here with is so his quote here. So now all of a sudden, guys are not going to school where they can create the most value for their future. Guys are going to school where they can make the most money. I don't think that is even the best thing for the player. He's not wrong. Okay, he's not wrong necessarily about that. However, his perspective is. Alabama is where you get the most value for your future. Mm-hmm. Ergo, anyone who doesn't come to Alabama is not getting like it's very myopic mm-hmm. to think that right. this is the this is the place that would get you the best value for your future. Um, these are very vague terms, and I know he's just doing interviews. This is not like a legal argument, but guys going to school where they can make the most money might be the most value for their future. True, you can go to the NFL from all over the place. The NFL does not care where you are from. They will, they are going to draft you. Now, there's a, a process at Alabama. There's sort of a, there's also sort of a self selection of he's recruiting guys that have the capability of going to the NFL. But, you know, we've seen a run on North Dakota state quarterbacks of late, right? <laughs> you can, you can, you can go from wherever. But there's other things that I think, you know, I just don't think anyone stands up for this side of the argument. It, it's 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 just hard to know. It's just such a general arguments, but I just see college sports driving headlong behind these very vague kind of concepts. Guys are going where they make the most money. Well, like I was with Kenny Dillingham at the Super Bowl, the Arizona young Arizona State coach, very smart guy, and you know his argument as as you would make the pitch is you should stay. Kids should come to Arizona State because you want to live in Phoenix. You, you know, pick where you want to live the rest of your life. Because if you go and you go to some small, you know, one of these college towns, far off college towns, whether it's SEC or Big Ten or whatever, you don't want to live there the rest of your life. So all of the business contacts, the money you take from this guy or that, all your connections are basically not maximized because 
they're not going to help you in business or, or, or life later on because you're not going to be living in their college town or their small state, right? So it's like a, it's a, I mean, look, what else is he going to say, right? I mean, that's, that's a good pitch. But that's he the also ASU doesn't have, pitch, yeah. Right. He doesn't have a table full of rings that he can, <laughs> he can point to. So everyone's going to, if Kenny Dillingham he's, becomes Nick Saban, he'll be changing that argument uh, at some point. But that isn't wrong either. And he's not arguing for NIL collectives. He's just, that's just his recruiting pitch, right? But maybe your value for the future is I'm going to take money from this major businessman in this area of the country where I want to live, or I'm going to go, I mean, if you want to maximize your value for the future, go to Stanford. Yeah, for sure. You know, you could go to the NFL from Stanford, and if Mm -hmm. you don't, you got a Stanford degree. Go to Harvard, right? And not only do you have a Stanford degree, but like if you are a big shot athlete there who's getting an NIL in the NIL space, where are you getting it? Silicon Valley. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The guy giving tech. you the money, right, right. He's not this like fourth generation lumber baron, right? <laughs> He's a guy who's got a uh, a venture capital firm that you might later on get to meet with and say, "Hey, I've got this company idea." Yeah, right. You know, it's not it's not the money that's that's floating around some of these places that 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 go or, or you know, this guy's got. So there's a lot more to this that I don't know gets. Gets, and I don't blame Nick Saban for that. It's not his job to do that. But you, you have to think about where all this is going. He says, you went to college. I went to college. Why were we going? We had goals and aspirations, how we wanted to create value for our future. Absolutely true. I think almost everyone goes to college because they want a better job, want a better life and all that. But money, particularly the money at the moment, is a massive decision in the vast majority of college t- choices. There are some people out there that can literally just say, go wherever you want. I'll write a $100,000 a year check. You go to any school. But my guess, I mean, I know I went to the University of Massachusetts because it was the best school I could afford. Yeah. I couldn't afford to go to Boston College. I couldn't even, like, you know, so I didn't go to Boston College. It wasn't Mm -hmm. even, it was like, forget it. I can't do this. So I went here. And that is the case. That might be true for you, Ross, and going to Mississippi State, right? Or Pat going to, whatever it is, money is always the discussion. When people yeah, sure. are choosing a college, yeah. it's a different money, kind of, but to kind of discount it like, well, these guys might just be caring about the money right now. What if, what if, well, there's a, there's a weighing option here. Yeah. And so there are certain schools where you say, all right, maybe I'm just a middle-class kid, but I can get into Stanford. It's worth the loan for $400,000 or whatever it's going to be, but. If it's not that level school, it's this next level. Maybe that isn't worth it, and this school's good enough. Like that's always a, if we're going to start playing into real world, how all everyone else goes to college. I don't right. think money right now should be viewed as a negative at all. Right. Nope. Yeah, I, it was a big factor for yeah for me. Uh, I would have probably if money wasn't a factor, I would have probably gone out of state to LSU or Tulane or something like that. Well, I probably couldn't get into Tulane, but uh, I probably would have yeah, <laughs> gone to, to LSU, but out-of-state tuition, because I was living on the Mississippi coast, out-of-state tuition, I think, was like triple. It would have been triple the amount uh, instead of Mississippi State uh, or, or any in-state. Uh, and then the other factor was just a lot of my friends going to Mississippi State, you know, and, and me visiting up there for like a couple of egg bowls and being just kind of like, you know, getting sucked into the SEC football kind of kind of thing. But uh, but money was the top factor, probably, you know, and uh, I think that's the case, like you said, for 
for many um, many college uh, students. I I uh, I think there's a few other things through his quotes as I'm I was kind of scanning through to to see of of interest. One of the things he said, and, and a few coaches have said this, and some are doing it through their NIL collective, is the pay should be standard and equal across the team. He says basically. Uh, the, the, you know, it's hard to, it was hard to write it, but he's, he actually did it with his hands. He said, you know, player can't be up here and then another player down here. Right. And so he, he wants it standard and equal. And it's funny because you talked to his former assistant, Ole Miss coach Lane Kiffin, and I visited him last May for a similar Q&A. And the two Q&As couldn't be any more different, right? Like you go back and read that Lane Q&A, the interviews could not be any more different. Lane is like, it's here. We're ready to roll. Let's do it. You know, pay should be different. It should be like the NFL. I mean, you know, it, it's, he's fine. He was fine with all of it. And, uh, and Saban's taken the, the other approach where he thinks it should be standardized across the board. Now, I did ask him my last question about NIL was basically, look, you know these these collectives seem to be just third parties that are that are funneling donor money to athletes to pay pay players. Wouldn't it be easier if there was a regulated system where the schools would directly pay the players? And you know, I was really curious to see where he would take that uh, answer. And he took it to you I know the employment it. issue. Um, and well, that would probably trigger employment. Yeah. And then he said something like, and I wish I'd have asked to follow up, but I didn't have time. But he said, you know, the issues, the employment issues would then have to be sorted out. Um, and how do you, he kind of asked the question, posed the question, how do you manage that? How um, does that get I wish I would have, I would have asked to follow up of how would you manage that? And do you believe that athletes should be employees? I, I think he would say no, maybe. But then again, I, I think if you read into some of his comments about the standardization and, and stuff like that, you know, and how it's kind of one-sided right now. And I think you you might see that he he might believe like a lot of coaches, and Mike Leach went on the record with me about this this past fall, is let's just make them employees. Let's have contracts, binding contracts. Let's get this regulation, you know, let's get a regulatory system in. Right. Let's stop trying to serve both sides of the of the argument here and that's kind of where they're caught in the middle and they're getting stretched apart or crushed or whatever uh, example you want to uh you want to get to uh well anyway interesting stuff and uh so it was it was an interesting interview you can find it on si.com uh, there's one more uh, deal in there dan did you see you know it's not yeah and i thought it was interesting to bring yeah. up really quickly that his suggestion you know and he did this about 10 years ago eight to ten years ago before he hired lane and did the spread and sped up his offense he was somebody um you know criticizing or complaining about fast tempo to up tempo we need rules to slow things down and he's kind of back on that and he mentioned how uh he believes that well he he said when a team this is a quote when a team can snap the ball with seven seconds within seven seconds of the play clock, is that really good for player safety? I'm just asking the question. And then my my next question was about faking injuries and has the warnings this past year reduced that issue? And he said, well, what would reduce it is having defense, having the ability to have a defense make substitutions if an offense gains a first down. So right now, you a defense can't substitute unless an offense substitutes. And he kind of threw it out there like, 
when an offense makes a first down, defense should be able to substitute. That would slow the game down and would reduce plays in the game as well, right? Would shorten the game in a, in a lot of ways. So I thought that was interesting. I'm not oppo- necessarily opposed to that. I, I'd, I'd have to think about it a lot more and study it. But one of the risks of injury, of course, is just exhaustion of the player, right? So, but that's also a strategy is to exhaust the player. Yeah, it is. Yeah, the oppo- the right, tired down player. the defense. So, right. and it's kind of a, it, but it's it's a very interesting point, and I'm not necessarily opposed to that one. It's it's yeah. uni- it's it's interesting. But a counteract to that is also develop depth and substitute more, which usually Alabama's really good at that, among other people. Yeah, they got that more does, good that players than anybody Alabama else. too. <laughs> yeah. Always goes back to that. Always goes back mm-hmm. to that. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. All right, exciting times in Austin, Texas. The, the, the Quinn Ewers Arch Manning QB Derby has begun. Spring practice started this week, and both superstar athletes are out there. Arch wearing the, uh, he's wearing a 16 on his uh, jersey. He's wearing Peyton? a 16. Peyton? No, Peyton was, well, Peyton was 16 in college, but 18 yeah. in the pros, like. Right, right. Like, and and I think I know all these numbers. This may, this may be wrong, but here, let me take a sidewind on. Manning family number history. <laughs> right. Okay. I think I got him. I, I think I got him. I em. think Cooper was 18. Yeah. And then Peyton was 14. This was back at Isidore Newman. Oh, you're New going Orleans. all the way back. Yeah. Then Peyton switched to 18 when Cooper couldn't play anymore. But then at Tennessee, 18 wasn't available. And then, so he took 16. And then when he went to the Colts and the Broncos, he was 18. Back to 18. Archie yep. was 18 at Ole Miss. I guess I should have started there. Mm. But yep. he was number eight in the at, right. with the Saints. Yep. And then 18 got retired, and I think Eli was number 10 the whole 10. time. Eli mm-hmm. was 10. Yep. Mm-hmm. So Arch has so, apparently gone with Uncle Peyton. I don't know what's <laughs> Maybe 18 was taken to Texas. We got We need an investigation. Who knows? What did Arch wear at Isidore Newman? Do we know? Seems like he was like maybe ten there, but I could. I, I don't know why. I want to say ten. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. So none Let's of this see. makes any sense. They're just they're running numbers <laughs> like the Caesars commercials <laughs> on the roulette table. No, I got I got pictures of him wearing sixteen. Oh, at, sixteen. Uh, at, yeah, so yep. he's been he wore, at Newman. Yep. yep. Okay, okay, so he and so he is now sixteen again. So he's sixteen. Mm-hmm. All right, whatever. I don't know. Well, and anyway, that probably has practiced. to do with Peyton, I would guess, because I remember visiting Arch and them and, and the family a few years ago, and like it was made pretty clear to me that you know he he grew up going to Tennessee games, he grew up like following Uncle Peyton, and that was kind of like always his number one role model. So it makes sense why he would have sixteen. Why? How long ago was the Tennessee games? It's twenty something years. 
Yeah. Well, I guess he watched old games. <laughs> he couldn't have gone that. He watched no, he him couldn't. in the pros. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he watched him. How about your dad, 18? I'm going to start a family yeah. feud. Arch, what's up? You don't love Cooper? You don't love your own father? You love your uncle more than your father? What's going on? Come on, Arch. That's it. The family is very tight. I am going to split them up with this number thing. There you uh, go. No, anyway, he, he practiced. I love it. Breathless reporting from the Texas media. Ever, I oh, want yeah. all of it right into my yeah. veins. Everything was covered. I want them all broken down. This was media was allowed in. It's going to be like title game. Yeah, media was allowed in for eight minutes of early practice, and here's what we saw: Arch threw the ball twelve times. Seven of them looked very good. Five of them not so good. I thought Arch stretched better than uh, (laughs) Quinn, but Quinn looked better in the high knees and they were warming up. Uh, (laughs) Steve Sarkeesian, there are some plays for sure that he would love to have back, and there's some other plays that he made that I think everyone was like, wow, that was a heck of a play. Again, this is a quote about practice. We're talking about practice. (laughs) I'm supposed to be the franchise player, and we're in here talking about practice. Love to have those plays back. As for win with Quinn Ewers, he also looked good and not. They had his moments. The hair and the the beard are not a problem. He's, he's he shed that, and he was essentially a true freshman this time last year for us. Sarkeesian said, and so there was a lot on his mind. It's like how my car got towed. What, what was on his mind? It's like when the gears are moving, but there's no WD forty in there. Those gears are grinding. It felt that way for him pretty much all year long. But it's uh, already witnessed growth this offseason, of course. It just feels natural. He's throwing the ball well. He's emerging as a leader. I'm watching him back, break the team down and do things, which is positive. And he's serving for Arch. Hey, this is what it looks like, and this is how you go about your business. Sarkeesian, and I'm reading a Sam Khan story from The Athletic. Sarkeesian used leader and maturity with viewers in the same sentence. Wow. What a sentence. This is thrilling. <laughs> this is thrilling. The worst. The worst is uh, fall, like fall, fall practice scrimmages in uh, spring practice and spring scrimmages when the coach is, you know, no media is allowed and the coach is, is giving like his recap. And coaches have no, no ability to, to recap anything. I mean, they're like, you know, we, they, they don't summarize things well. They, they're not keeping track of all that. And it's just a disaster. It's just. Oh, yeah. That's when you get, well, both guys did some good things, you know, really saw some, yeah. some great things out of both of yeah. them there, you know. Yeah. I mean, and then, and then LSU, every- when I was covering Les Miles' team, this was specific to fall practice scrimmages, but they they just, it would just make up numbers. Like, they give you stats, and they, I mean, they'd be made up. I mean, because we would add, we would interview players after, hey, huh? hey, looks like uh, on the stat sheet you had a couple touchdowns, and the guy's like, no, I didn't catch any touchdowns. Like, oh, great, <laughs> wonderful. So... <laughs> So no, no uh, the 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 horse race to be the Longhorn quarterback, uh, no no determination yet, no determination yet, uh, and I'm not making fun of this coverage. I want it, so please keep writing oh, yeah. these stories. I will keep reading them. This is For called sure. serving the readers, and I am a reader. Oh yeah, so bring keep it going. on. I want all, I want all of it, all of it. I can get exciting times. So this is going to be. It will be really a fun battle. Oh right? yeah, really a fun. Uh, and it, I, it's good for viewers to to just announced that it's a competition i think to begin with so like you know that's a guy who's had 
everything. He's gotten every chance he could possibly have in his career to date, and now it, I think it's probably be good for him to have somebody pushing him. We'll see how he responds. Yes, yes, and this the and uh, the new Arch Manning, Dylan Raiola, the uh, top quarterback mm-hmm. in the country, oh, yeah. uh, son of Dominic, the uh, former NFL center. He took a visit to USC last mm-hmm. weekend, and now they're mm-hmm. deemed the favorites. Mm-hmm. Nebraska was the favorite. Now USC's the favorite. See, I don't That's- know how that all went. Uh, Rayola had a blast at USC. I'm going to say this. If you're the number one ranked player in America and you go on a recruiting visit to USC, I would think the chances of a blast being <laughs> the proper definition to be about 99.9%. Yeah. If you I think that would be USC one of the greatest weekends up. a human being could possibly <laughs> <Yeah>. have <laughs> is being the, <laughs> the coveted quarterback recruit at USC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 48 Sign hours up of, for that. doesn't get better than that. I don't know what <laughs> happened. Not sure I want to. Not sure I want to. But I would leave there going. A lot of what happened either. So, (laughs) yeah, I'm thinking USC. Uh, I'm sure Nebraska gave it all it had. SC could hit another level if if we're looking at that level as a as a distinguishing factor. Uh, No decision. Like part of USC's recruiting pitch. My daughter, she was going to go on a visit and she canceled it, but it was to come out and we'll we'll take you surfing. So that's a pretty good place to start. You know? Not bad. Yeah. Not bad. Going yeah. to the beach and here's a surf. How many schools can do that? Yeah. Yeah. Not many. I'm not doing that in Nebraska. <laughs> also, who has a who has in their city? What school has in their city a um, a rum cigar bar beneath a parking garage? Because we know that LA does. Because all three of <laughs> us were right. there during the championship <laughs> that's week. That's right. What was the name of that place? I don't remember. Um, They gave us the out-of-town discount, though. Remember, we were supposed to pay (laughs) to be a member, and we were like, we're out of town. And uh, he's like, uh, all right. So I don't remember what that was called. but uh, Much much like the details of Rayola's visit, hopefully, uh, our details of that place were sketchy. I I recall. Yes, yeah. (laughs) It did exist. It did happen. It was tremendous. Rum and cigar bar. Downtown LA. I forget. It was cool. It had the no roof too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Had, yeah. Had, so the, had the, the no smoke just went right up. Excellent. Ah, Con Kanya? C A N A Rum Bar. Kanya Rum Bar. Ah. In uh downtown LA. Yeah, there's uh yeah, downtown LA, um, right near the uh kind of right near the uh, what is it called? The Grammy Grammy Museum and all that. It's not far from that. And um, not far from Staples it's, or whatever yeah, you're calling it. Yeah, now. yeah. Crypto. Very much, yep. Yep, and, and it's uh, Tom's a watch bar beneath a yeah. beneath a parking garage. And if you're a LA resident, you've got to have um, it's a membership situation. But if you're out of town, you can get on in for free. Well, look at the look at the the, the publicity we're giving the place. I, I mean, yeah. we deserve there a free go. membership. We deserve uh, a free deserve round a free next time we're there. Yeah, a yep. few other things and nice. get the rum old fashioned. Mm. That was that was strong. All right. Anyway, no one wants to hear about this, or maybe they do. <laughs> we derailed. Maybe they do. Completely derailed. <laughs> it's March. It's March. All right, Pat, you also had an interesting story this week. I don't want you to feel bad about yourself that I'm, you know, <laughs> giving Ross the flowers here. <laughs> you get yours too. No, uh, and I think it has something to say. We talked last uh, episode about the Pac-12 and whether it might, the, particularly the corner, so-called corner schools, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah, the four schools that are in three of the four corner states might jump to the Big 12 if there's a little bit more money or maybe the TV exposure is a little better. And I have recommended against it. I think being in a smaller league 
It's a lot easier to win a 10-team league than a 16-team lead. You have the playoff coming, as you pointed out, uh, Pat. Um, you want to be where it makes sense and where you're you're playing in your region, if you will, and and all of that. And you you had a story about Big East basketball, the Big East Conference, which a decade ago, the basketball schools said enough's enough with trying to chase around football and trying to find these schools that want to come in and maybe they aren't really committed. And so they created a, a league, DePaul, Georgetown, Marquette, Providence, St. John, Seton Hall, and Villanova basically dumped Central Florida, Cincinnati, Connecticut, Houston, Louisville, Memphis, South Florida, Southern uh, SMU, and Temple. And then they later added Butler, Creighton, and Xavier. And then UConn returned uh, after previously leaving or getting booted out. And 10 years later, the Big East basketball tournament and Big East basketball schools, and I know this is not football, but these schools are mostly thriving. Doesn't mean they're all doing well on the court, particularly you, Georgetown. But they found a like-minded group and they're doing well. Now, so isn't Houston basketball, I might add. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they're doing fine, too. But they decided this is what we are, and we're going to supplement whatever extra money we might get somewhere else with being, getting our alumni excited, getting our students excited, having exciting games, having rivalries, all of those things. And some of these other schools are still flopping about. And some of the uh, and previous schools that left the Big East chasing ACC money, most notably, I've, I've mentioned Boston College, Syracuse isn't far behind. And even to a degree, Pitt, West Virginia, Virginia Tech have never really, never quite hit, you know, maybe maybe they are, maybe they haven't, but some of them have not hit anything. Certainly Boston College has got to be looking at this and saying, I wish we were still there. But there's something to be said about figuring out what you are and then just going with it and not worrying about what some consultant is telling you or a couple more million dollars or something like that. Am I, you, you describe it, Pat. Yeah, absolutely. No, it was like, what's our identity? And they were getting so far afield from, from what made the big East, the big East, what made it relevant, culturally vibrant, as you put it, like attached to their alums and their fan bases and gave them a niche in college athletics. And it was basketball, and it was New York, and it was the Garden, and that was it. And then all of a sudden, wow, we got to have football schools, and we got to have this, and we got to have that. And then a bunch of football schools leave because they're chasing the football dollars. And it's like, how are we going to replace them? We'll replace them by getting Boise State. What? We'll replace them by getting TCU and San Diego State. What? I mean, it was it was a, a crazy kind of desperate time where they were – they were going to be incredibly far-flung. And now we're moving into an era of ridiculously far-flung, but it's backed by so much money that they can the theoretically make it work. We'll see how it actually works. But the Big East, the, the, the Catholic Seven, as they were called, just basically said, no, we're out of here. We are pulling the plug on this, and we're going to just break away, and we'll leave you football strivers to do your own deal. But we're going to go back to what made us... What made us good, what made us important, and what our fans really liked. And it's worked very, very well. It's not the 80s Big East. Uh, yeah, Georgetown is not what it was. St. John's is not what it was. But Villanova did a lot to save the league. Villanova wins two national titles, goes to a third Final Four. Jay Wright helps really just put the, the, the conference on his back. But uh, look, Creighton is very, very good. Marquette is a top 10 to 15 program right now. Connecticut coming back is huge. 
Connecticut will jam the garden this week to see people play, play, see the Huskies play. Xavier is very good, you know, and so that league did what it had to do, did the smart things. Like, what's our identity here? Let's not pretend to be a football league. Let's be a basketball league, and it's worked. Well, I think sometimes it's uh, better to to know yourself and where you fit, right, which is probably things that are going on uh, right now out west, you know, with the Pac-12. And, you know, and just to provide a little bit of info on that, like kind of some latest things, is a lot of things are building up to this week, the the men's basketball tournament, that they might have some kind of details of a of a deal this week. I don't think that's that's going to happen. In fact, I think it might be more uh, late March, if not into April, that that some kind of TV deal details emerge from the Pac-12 that may trigger stability or trigger uh, an exodus in in a collapse of the of the league. But those schools out there that are, you know, toying with leaving or at least possible leaving. They yeah they need to they need to ask themselves if is it is it worth it and do they have a better chance to uh, to get in the in the playoff you know first off you know we've talked about this on the show before but having a better chance to get in the playoff from from being in the pack ten slash twelve instead of being in a a sixteen or eighteen team Big Twelve so uh, all those things need to be need to be thought about in not just the money but. The money is important. The visibility is important of the TV deal, and hopefully, we'll find out, you know, more about that. I think um, University of Colorado has a has a board meeting, maybe going on right now or about should to start. be on right uh, now while we're yeah, playing. yeah that that is uh, you know the board is supposed to get an update. I think on the Pac-12's TV situation, it'll be interesting if anything leaks from that. Yeah, I just I just think. The chance to compete for a playoff bid, the, the the playoff should provide stability to all the leagues, and to bail on that just as it's happening is, uh, you know, I don't know. I just, I just, I, I just highly recommend, just highly advise against that. I just think you're yeah. going to regret it, and you can sit there and say, "Well, we're now in this league," but it's a little like. Yeah, the Big East playing, you know, the Houston SMU swing of Big East really didn't didn't make a lot of sense and uh you just don't have that same that same bit together so pretty interesting obviously you're right about Villanova but they've got good you know Providence UConn I, yeah. I just I look at like an athletic department like Providence College like they get a lot out of that basketball program hell yeah the crowds are good the attention's good the excitement mm-hmm. something for the students to get excited about you know you, you don't necessarily get at, at these other schools where you're just losing and, you know, the, the team's a joke and there's really no way to, uh, to climb out of it, uh, very easily. So. Right. And that's the, to the, you know, the Fox TV contract has been huge for them. You know, Fox went all in with the, uh, with the big East, uh, at a time when the ESPN was turning its attention elsewhere and that's really helped them and it's helped their visibility. I mean, if you were a, if you're a student, <clears throat> say you're a Catholic student in Chicago, and you're looking for places to go to school, and you flip on Fox, and you see the Dunkin' Donuts Center, Providence, say, wow, that looks like fun. You know, let me find out a little bit more about Providence College. That might be a fun place to go to school. Or you can look at a game at Creighton and say, yeah, that looks pretty cool. I mean, see, it's definitely helped the visibility of the, of the universities, for sure. All right, I did want to get to this story. It's a little 
a week or two old, but um, on our never-ending quest to find Bigfoot. Um, mm-hmm. And I think we all follow our spiritual leader, Mike Leach, and saying we want to believe, but we're not, just haven't seen the evidence yet. I think our last Bigfoot story involved two guys in Oklahoma. One murdered the other one over it. Oh. Or something like that. Wasn't he on meth yes, or yes. something? Yeah. That, wasn't that, they were, weren't they catfish noodlers? And one of them was threatening to summon Bigfoot to get the other one? Oh, he was going to summon arguing? Bigfoot. So then the but, guy killed the guy who was going to yeah. summon Bigfoot. Yeah. A couple of very short yeah, Bigfoot could be summoned. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah. You obviously don't know enough Oklahoma yeah, noodles. Like Dark Lord or something <laughs> summoning. These guys were one uh, of those. Two of the, two of the one great of those guys say they're going to summon Bigfoot. Hey, you gotta, Oklahoma's going to fit take right that, into the SEC. You got to take that threat seriously. I mean, I, you cannot discount it and say, I, I don't think you can. Because next thing you know, Sasquatch is right there. Anyway, Mexico uh, doesn't appear to do Bigfoot, but they have this, uh, this thing uh, somewhat similar. It's an elf. It's a mythical woodland elf of Mayan folklore. And so people have said they've seen it, not seen it, all this stuff. Well, no less of an authority. This is no like meth up, fentanyled up uh, (laughs) Oklahoma noodler. This is the president of Mexico. (laughs) The president of Mexico, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, posted on Twitter saying everything is mystical. And he had two photos including one that he believes shows the small mischievous creature that inhibits inhabits forts and fields and are prone to playing tricks on people like hiding things. <laughs> he says he saw the elf. He has photo proof of the, of the elf. This is like Bigfoot's little cousin. Uh, have you seen this picture? It is a little weird. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen it's the picture. Weird. I'm not yeah. here to, de- I'm not here to doubt the president of Mexico on this, you know? <laughs> I might be. I might be. <laughs> One Twitter follower says it's a raccoon with a bag on its head. Not a, a myth. I don't know. Uh, th- uh, thoughts. Is this elf real? And did the Mexican president find it? And if American president or someone running for president, we have an election, I don't know, a couple years here. But if somebody said, I, I have Bigfoot, would that get you to caucus for it? Would you move to Iowa and caucus for them? <laughs> Yeah, because that would be like the scoop of the century. I mean, if you are a president who can find Bigfoot, I did the <laughs> other day. Where was I? I think I might have been in the airport and saw a great T-shirt a guy was wearing said "Undefeated Hide and Seek Champion" and had a picture of Bigfoot. <laughs> uh, that was good. But I figured, first of all, look, we're doing a public service here. It's almost St. Patrick's Day, and Elf is basically a leprechaun, right? And so yeah. we're 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 talking. We're very topical. In terms of the calendar, I think this is absolutely the elf or the alux, as I guess they call it, whatever. And uh, and I am wholly behind the president of Mexico in his quest to maybe not only find an elf, but bring one to a press conference someday. And if an American president can do it as well, I will caucus for him. Okay. <laughs> well, I hate Ross. to bring be the bearer of bad news, but... This photo tweeted out by the uh, president has been posted before uh, a couple oh. years ago and uh, is apparently was taken in Manchester, England, not even in Mexico. Um, <laughs> so there's that. And uh, uh, it was posted and it was at the time, 20, which is February 2021. 
it was picked up by some Mexican media outlets and reported mm-hmm. to be a witch that was in northeast Mexico. So this photo has made the rounds. The Mexi- oh. the uh, Mexican president was duped. Oh. He uh, he read you know he read the internet wrong as they like to say. I will say I just typed in Mexican elf myth into Google and um, this comes up and this is a different elf. Apparently there's many Mexican elf myths and this comes up. This one is called that, that one in the photo that the Mexican president is alleging is is Alux or Alux or whatever. Mm-hmm. This one is Duendes. And duendes are known as gnome-like creatures who live inside the walls of homes, especially in the bedroom walls of young children. They attempt mm. at night to come out and nice. clip the toenails of unkipped, unkipped <laughs> children. What? Often wait, often leading to the mistaken removal of entire toes. Oh my gosh. So the design so, yeah. of moms scare the kids into keeping their That's toenails right. clipped? There you I go. It's so. like when I was lied to when I was younger about uh, <laughs> if you cross your eyes too much, they'll get stuck that way. Yeah. Ah, right, the yeah, things right, parents yeah. tell us. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's hard being a parent. You got to gotta go with That's a, put a little barbaric by my standards. <laughs> uh, but, uh, hey, whatever. Whatever gets you through the night. I don't know. Oh, my God. All right. Well, we fell for that. Here you go. <laughs> yeah. Can't even trust them. another politician I can't trust. Yeah. Oh I, well, man, I I was uh, all I, in I, on, the, finally, on the Mexican president finding a real elf. I mentioned UMass earlier. I want to congratulate the UMass Amherst students. Uh, we, they made national news this week after uh, they uh, seem to have embraced a TikTok drinking challenge mm. called a Borg. Have you heard of the Borg? I have. It's called a blackout rage gallon. You take a oh, one gallon no. container of water. Oh, no. You empty some of it out. You fill it with alcohol and some kind of like power drink mix. So you get some electrolytes and then mm. you try to drink the whole thing. Mm. Oh, my goodness. Sounds yeah, like a terrible uh, idea. Nearly four yeah. dozen were hospitalized uh, right. after drinking that much. <laughs> 28 ambulances had to come over oh one weekend God. to haul the kids away. Blackout Congrats. Rage Gallon, B-O-R-G, Borg. That's what we're going to Borg, Borgs. Yeah, the Blackout Rage Gallon. It's a TikTok uh, thing that, of course, makes zero sense. Uh, but they went for it anyway. And so I'm kind of <laughs> proud of them. I mean, if they're going to do a TikTok trend, let's do it all the way. Let's do it all the way. Uh, Nothing better, better for UMass to make national news for trying to chug down Borgs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they school <laughs> school to put on a statement. UMass officials said the first time the university observed a notable use of Borgs. They will assess this weekend's development and consider steps to improve alcohol education. How about don't be <laughs> stupid and drink a gallon? Yeah, I feel like there's Holy one of these stories crap. every year. Remember a few years ago when I think it was at was it at the University of Tennessee and they had the butt chugging incident? Yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah, God, that was, yeah, well, that yeah, was amazing. That yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. They were trying to. Get alcohol through. <laughs> yeah. That's you put the alcohol. the other orifice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kids are stupid. Uh, yeah. I mean, come on now. I'm we, sure there are no like. Yeah, no idiotic uh, students drinking shenanigans going on at Missouri, but let's try no. to avoid the. Well, bo- hey, you didn't make the, the like. Mm-mm. You make CBS News here that I'm reading at Mississippi yeah, State. We, and we used to tip cows. You go get drunk and you go run through the cow field and push over cows. I mean, we were dumb. Did you? Did you literally tip a cow? No, I didn't. I was never involved okay. in that. 
I was never involved, okay. but others did. Mm, kind of sound like you were. Kind of <laughs> sounds like you were. <laughs> Might have to put a polygraph on you here. Isn't mm. that the cow can't get up? Um, something like that. Yeah, it's kind of inhumane. I should probably stop talking. <laughs> well, they're saving the cow just to make it a hamburger anyway. So what are we talking about? It's not like the cow is going to. Well, what do we got the cow for? Yeah, the cows basically exist to, be, to become a meal. One board could contain 16 servings of alcohol or more. Mm. Um, yeah, so our our don't drink the Borgs. <laughs> we do promote alcohol consumption here, but uh, yeah, our public our, service announcement. That's our PSA. Do not Borg. Stay away, from, go, stay away from the Borg. But good job, you mass. Let's go. <laughs> Way to go. Can't win a football or basketball game, but. Man, the party was good for a while. Until the Did you see up. UMass's final basketball game of the season? They, in the first round of the A-10, they scored 38 points and lost by 31. Good effort. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have no idea what – I have no insight into the basketball team or anything. But generally, you go to those conference things and you can tell which team either the players hate the coach or players hate each other. Right. Because, yeah. like, almost every league has one of those teams that just threw up like a 32 oh, yeah. spot and just was like, we're, we're out oh, of here. Yeah. 14 to 11 place, 14 didn't even try. So I don't know. Maybe that was it or maybe that injuries. I have no idea. But yeah, things are going well. No wonder the kids were drinking so much. No wonder. <laughs> All right. That's our show. Uh, we'll be back next week with more. Uh, we'll break down the, uh, the, the, the bracket as best we can in, in our yeah. own. Uh, special way is we want to talk more college shoots, but everything changes so quick, right? You know, who's in last four in last four out all that. So we, uh, we are, we, we didn't cause by the time, whatever we said would be dated. So, yeah. but we will get to it on Monday. You'll get the, you will get the information you need. We're the oh, only yeah. place you need to, uh, we will be to, the uh, only podcast reacting to the NCAA tournament bracket. The only one. Stay tuned. Yeah. No, it's the only spot you get. All right, we'll talk to you guys uh, then. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.